Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. Happy Wednesday. Does it feel like Thursday to you? It feels like Thursday to me. Nevertheless, it is Wednesday. Today we're talking about a few things. We are going to do a follow-up on the Boston Children's Hospital story from yesterday. There's more information there that you need to know. We are also going to be talking about the story out of Minneapolis of the teachers unions demanding that white teachers be fired before black or brown teachers. What does this say about this newfangled definition of equity? Is it logical? Is it reasonable? Is it just? More importantly, is it biblical? You can probably guess my answer to that, but I'll explain further. And then we're going to hear our beloved Kamala Harris talk to us about the importance of equity in the eloquent way that she typically does. And then we are going to end on talking about this Fresno church called the Well Church that is receiving so much hate simply for preaching what God's word says about sexuality and gender and marriage. And then we've got a heartwarming, sweet video for you of sibling compassion at the end of this episode. As always, this episode is brought to you by your friends at Good Ranchers. That's American meat delivered right to your front door. Go to goodranchers.com slash Allie. That's goodranchers.com slash Allie. All right, before we get into it, just a couple of reminders. We've got a lot of good merch and we've got a link uh, to our merch in the description of this episode. We've got lots of stickers. We've got some hats. We've got some t-shirts. We've got more products coming out too. Um, and so if you have any suggestions for something that you'd like to see on any of our products, let me know. But also if you, if there are products that you want, like we're working on tumblers and things like that. But if you're like, oh, I would love this product with like a relatable phrase on it, um, then we can deliver that for you guys. And as always, like if you have suggestions for topics, we just came up with like a whole list of topics that you guys have been asking me about that we're going to cover in the company, uh, the coming months, um, like, uh, gentle parenting and SEL and should women be wearing head coverings? We're going to talk about a lot of that stuff in the coming months. But if you have anything else that you would like us to discuss or any guest suggestions, uh, please let me know. If you love Relatable, please leave us a five-star review, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. That, of course, um, helps us out. Appreciate you guys so much. I love our Relatable community and Relatable family. You guys have been giving me a lot of good feedback recently. Also, love seeing you guys in the wild. FYI, if you ever see me in the wild and you're not like a hater, um, please come up and say hi. People, whenever they come up and they see me somewhere, they're like, oh, is it weird if I give you a hug or if I, is it weird if I say hi? I don't want to bother you. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me. Um, I would love to say hi to you. I met a sweet teacher the other day who came up to me while we were working out and was like, your podcast totally changed my perspective on everything. That just warms my heart. Of course, I want you to come up to me and talk to me. I met another one of you the other day um, with your family who also gave me such sweet encouragement. So please feel free to do that. I love meeting you guys. I've got a lot of events coming up over the next few weeks where I'll have the opportunity to meet you. And I truly just love conversing with you and knowing why you love Relatable. So let me know though, if we don't have the opportunity to meet each other by leaving a review on the podcast. All right, before we get into it, uh, let me tell you about our first sponsor for the day, awesome company. I've known about this company for a really long time. I'm so glad they're a sponsor of the show. And that is Covenant Eyes. So if you're concerned about either your own ability to protect your mind and protect your eyes when you're online, or your spouses, or especially your kids, you want to make sure that they're not coming across pornography or anything that you don't want to see or you don't want them to see, then you just might need a tool of accountability. You might need that extra layer of protection. And Covenant Eyes does just that. That's what they offer. It's an app or it's a software that you download that gives you that accountability and protects you from seeing the things that you know aren't good for your heart, aren't good for your mind. This can help uh, help protect you and your family, especially if concern about pornography is there. You can get Covenant Eye software 
block porn on your children's devices and model online integrity for your kids by using accountability on your devices as well because what we do speaks louder than what we say get covenant eyes accountability software for free for 30 days by visiting coveyes.com slash ally that's c-o-v-eyes.com slash ally coveyes.com slash ally Okay, first, I want to do a quick follow-up on a story that we talked about yesterday. The story is generating a lot of buzz on Twitter, thanks to a few accounts like Libs of TikTok, Matt Walsh, Billboard Chris. If you don't follow Billboard Chris, you absolutely should. I've also been talking about this a lot, and it is the story about Boston Children's Hospital performing a gender what they call gender affirming surgery, genital mutilation surgery on minors. And we played a few videos yesterday of them endorsing certain procedures, like what they call gender affirming hysterectomies and puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones. They talk about children knowing that they are the opposite gender from their biology, basically from the moment of birth. Toddlers, they said, know that they're the opposite gender if they refuse to get a haircut or try to pee standing up. Just absolutely ridiculous stuff. Listen to yesterday's episode if you want a full breakdown of everything involved in that story. But now, because there's been so much pushback, because Accounts like Libs of TikTok have simply amplified what these doctors are saying, have simply used their own words to say, hey, this is a scary practice that's happening at a children's hospital in Boston. There has been a lot of pushback. There has been an uproar online from sane people who say, hey, we oppose genital mutilation when it comes to, say, Muslim countries uh, doing this, inflicting this upon young girls. Why are we endorsing it, celebrating it, glorifying it here in the name of, quote unquote, gender affirmation? And NBC News is reporting that the hospital apparently is receiving harassment. And here's how NBC News reports on this. Boston Children's Hospital warns employees over far right online harassment campaign. Everything that the left doesn't like is far right. And that is meant to fear monger you. It's actually it it's actually meant to scare conservatives. I know it might seem like it's targeting their left-wing audience, and of course, in a way it is, but what it's doing is it's actually striking fear in the average conservative uh, that if you associate yourselves with people who are critical of the trans movement and critical of the mutilation of minors' genitals, then that makes you not just conservative, but far right. And what is synonymous with far right, at least according to the left, fascist? What is synonymous with fascist? Nazi. So that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to lump you into the scariest, most extreme category that you can think of. So you will resist criticism criticizing their trans ideology. That's what this reporter at NBC is doing. Let's see if I can guess the name of the reporter. Yep, it's who I thought. Brandy uh, Zadron, I I don't know how to pronounce her last name, Zadrozny, um, and Phil McCausland. They wrote this piece for NBC News, and they are reporting that apparently Boston Children's Hospital has become the target of activists because of accounts like Libs of TikTok, and that they have received scary calls and threats and that their online accounts have seen vulgar and harassing comments. And then Boston Children's Hospital released a statement saying in response to commentary last week, critical of our gender multi-specialty service, the GMS program. I said that the more appropriate name would be the genital mutilation service. Boston Children's Hospital has been the target of a large volume of hostile internet activity. Oh no. Phone calls and harassing emails, including threats of violence towards our clinicians and staff. And so obviously I will never endorse threats of violence. 
Because these doctors are inflicting violence upon children. Children don't have the capacity. Minors don't have the capacity to consent, especially to something as invasive and as permanent as a hysterectomy or puberty blockers or any kind of treatment that is harming the healthy bodies of young people for the sake of trying to align their physical appearance with their stated identity. I mean, that is a form of violence. Now, do I think that people who are responding to the violence that's happening at Boston Children's Hospital with further threats of violence, that that is the right mode of operation? No, I don't. But do I think that the far greater threat here, the far worse thing that's happening is the actual physical violence that is happening to these young children and that is being celebrated by places like NBC News? Of course I do. So to be perfectly honest, like if I'm going to prioritize my concerns here, if I'm going to prioritize my condemnation, the people leaving mean voicemails and mean comments on the social media accounts of the hospital that's performing these just absolutely nightmarish procedures on uh, on minors. I, I just I, I don't I can't find it. I can't find it within me to find anywhere close to the same anger for the people who are supposedly harassing the children's hospital. Now they're saying that uh, they're saying that they have to up security and that they're taking all of these measures to try to protect themselves and their staff. But Billboard Chris, the account that I mentioned earlier, who is really fighting this battle against the genital mutilation of children, he has a source, he says, within Boston Children's Hospital. And he shared an email that was sent from Boston Children's Hospital to all employees. And this source says they have told us nothing about increasing security. They also lied repeatedly about the age for procedures. And so you're seeing that Boston Children's Hospital and their advocates in the media are saying, oh, these things aren't happening to minors. Uh, These kinds of procedures like hysterectomies and mastectomies, that's not happening to minors. It's only happening to people who are 18 years old. And then I would ask, well, why are you putting out these informational videos as a children's hospital then? That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And as we talked about yesterday, like if you go to um, the gender, whatever it's called, the gender multi specialty services, what they call it. If you go to their website and you look at their banner, who do they have? What picture do they have in the banner of their website? Is it an 18-year-old? No, it's about a two to three-year-old. And so I'm not saying that they're performing hysterectomies on two to three-year-olds, but they obviously are targeting young children when they are talking about these procedures and gender transition. And so uh, Billboard Chris's source says this, that they lied repeatedly about the age for procedures they still have up, that they perform mastectomies on 15-year-olds. And we also talked about a couple weeks ago that there was a doctor in Oakland, California at a hospital there who said on tape that the youngest patient they have performed a double mastectomy on, a double mastectomy, was a 12-year-old. A 12-year-old. I don't know if that's happening at Boston Children's Hospital. I pray to God not. But I have a really hard time believing they are reserving those kinds of procedures for 18-year-olds. Now, Christina Buttons, also a great follow when it comes to the dangers of gender ideology. She said that Boston Children's Hospital has quietly updated their website since her original report that these procedures were happening on very young people. And she said the age for boys who want to surgically invert their penis into a pseudo-vagina, I mean that phrase, awful, has been raised to 18. Previously, it was younger than that. She said, luckily, I saved the PDF that reveals that they performed it on minors. Their previous PDF, their previous guidelines after her report said that you must be between 17 and 35 years of age at the time of surgery. So that's a minor. Maybe you think it's no big deal. It's just one year. Okay, well, them saying that they don't perform these things on minors would still be a lie if they are performing these procedures, um, if they are performing these procedures on 17-year-olds. So this is really disturbing. I can't find it within my heart 
to feel any sympathy for the doctors, the psychologists, the surgeons that are not only affirming, but also performing these surgeries. I just can't. You're ruining the lives of young people. They don't have the capacity to scent. You're cutting off healthy breasts. You're removing a healthy uterus and fallopian tubes and ovaries, rendering them sterile in many cases. You are putting off puberty. You are stopping puberty in many cases, also possibly rendering them sterile for the rest of their lives. At the very least, you are harming their bodies. Our bodies need puberty. It is natural and not just that, but our minds need puberty. And so I don't, I, I don't have a lot of sympathy. I don't have a lot of sympathy for the doctors, for the nurses, for the journalists that are endorsing this kind of thing and practicing this kind of thing. I don't. All of my compassion is directed towards the kids, even if they might say that, yes, they need this. Yes, they want this directed towards the kids who are enduring this kind of thing. And also it's directed towards the people who are sounding the alarm about these scary treatments who are now receiving their own death threats and their own threats of violence. I mean, conservatives who go against the mainstream when it comes to these so-called culture wars, these moral wars, are on the receiving end of far more vulgarity, trust me, than any left-wing journalist or left-wing activist because the left-wing is endorsed by the state. It's endorsed by these major institutions. It's endorsed by the mainstream media. It's endorsed by big, uh, big tech, academia, the public school system. So, I mean, conservatives, especially Christian conservatives, really have no institutional power or protection from the threats of violence that we receive because of our views. And by the way, the left wing, when it comes to this, are the ones endorsing actual physical violence. So I just don't have a whole lot of sympathy for them. Yeah, of course, people are outraged. Of course, people are expressing their outrage. Of course, people are raising a ruckus about this. This journalist said, oh, I can't believe people are attacking a children's hospital. It's just beyond. So you're saying if you found out that something terrible was happening or something that you considered terrible happening at a children's hospital, that you wouldn't say something like let's all agree on something that would be awful. If you found out that Boston Children's Hospital was refusing to treat kids who are black. Like, it wouldn't you be angry about that? You're saying you wouldn't attack a children's hospital if you found out a practice like that was going on? So don't you see that because we see this as terrible, that we are attacking this children, that we are, um, that we are criticizing in the strongest terms, this children's hospital, like that doesn't click for you. But of course, as I've said before, gender ideology is it's a religion. It's a superstition. And so they don't have to be consistent. They don't have to be logical. They don't have to be based in reality or based in science. It's based in feeling. It's based in ideology. It's based in dogma more than anything else. So it doesn't have to make sense. They can use ridiculous circular maxims like trans girls are girls or trans boys are boys. And it doesn't actually have to mean anything. It defies all laws of logic. But because it's a self-affirming religion, they can just repeat these things. And the more they repeat them, the more they feel to be true. That's how propaganda works. That's how propaganda works. And so the propagandists at NBC are trying their darndest. And man, Matt Walsh lives of TikTok. I know they get a lot of support. They have a lot of fans. Um, but they're also receiving like a lot of hate right now and not just hate, but I mean, we're talking like defamation. People are doctoring images of things that, um, they're saying that Matt Walsh said that he never actually posted and never actually said. I mean, if there is ever a case for defamation, if anyone should ever go after someone in their livelihood because of defamation. I think this case with Matt Walsh and some of the activists that he's been battling against is one of them. All right. I just wanted to give an update on that. Let me pause and tell you about our next sponsor for the day. And that is ExpressVPN. So we should all care about our privacy online. Unfortunately, internet service providers, even though they are providing you with a free service, they're still looking to make money somehow. So how are they making money if by using them, you are not paying them? They are making money by selling your data, by selling your private information to third parties. So if you want to anonymize your internet activity so that's not possible, then you need a VPN. You can use the VPN that I use, and that is ExpressVPN. 
in so you can protect your anonymity when you are online. Your location is also um, is also protected. It's really easy to use. You just download the app and you can use the same account on all of your devices. So download the app on all of your devices, sign into your account. You're good to go. Totally protected. You don't have to be tech savvy at all to set it up. That's what I love about it. You can go to expressvpn.com slash today. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash Allie, expressvpn.com slash Allie, and you'll get an extra three months free with that link. An extra three months free at expressvpn.com slash Allie. Okay, I want to talk about this crazy story out of Minneapolis. The Minneapolis Teachers Unions are apparently saying that they are uh, that they would like white teachers to be laid off first in the public school system before black or brown teachers for the sake of what is it, children? Equity. You guys know this newfangled definition of equity. It used to be like the biblical definition of equity. The actual definition of equity would be impartiality. And so not showing um, favoritism towards anyone because of their socioeconomic status, because of their gender, uh, because of their race. It would be treating everyone with the same rules. While the newfangled left-wing communist definition of equity is treating people by different rules in order to try to manufacture the same outcomes. And so that is what's going on here. In the name of this newfangled partial equity, so actually the opposite of what equity is supposed to be, they are saying that they are going to discriminate against white uh, teachers in order to show favoritism to black and brown teachers to try to apparently make up for what they say is past discrimination against black and brown teachers. So this is according to Fox News. This was published on August 15th. Minneapolis Teachers Union Agreement stipulates white teachers be laid off first, regardless of seniority. The agreement was reached to end a three-week teacher strike last spring. In April, 4,500 Minneapolis teachers and education support professionals went on strike to demand smaller class sizes, better benefits, more mental health resources for students, increased workforce diversity, higher wages. The strike went for three weeks, so three weeks without school for students who already had to suffer in this area subpar virtual education during COVID. So once again, we sacrifice the needs of children, the welfare of children on the altar of adults wants. Now, I'm not saying that all of these demands are bad. I'm not saying there shouldn't be more, there shouldn't be smaller class sizes. I'm not saying there shouldn't be better benefits. I'm not really sure. Now, what these teachers probably don't understand is that, um, the teachers unions are actually to blame in a lot of cases for their lower pay, for their bad benefits, uh, for the lack of positive change in the public school classroom. Unions really don't work on behalf of teachers anymore. They work on behalf of the Democrat Party. They work on behalf of themselves. You know that we have increased funding in real dollars dramatically over the past 50 years, and yet teachers' wages have gone up by maybe 2%. And Yet we have grown also dramatically the administrative bloat in the public school system and the teachers unions themselves have grown. So where is all the money going? The money is not going to the teachers. The money is not translating into better performance for these students. The money is simply empowering these unions, which then turns around and empowers the Democratic Party, empowers the administrators, and also empowers the insulation of really bad and sometimes predatory teachers. If you haven't heard of rubber rooms where teachers who were either terrible teachers and so they just couldn't teach in the classroom anymore or teachers who were found guilty of sexual harassment, and in some cases, sexual assault, they go to these rubber rooms still being paid by your tax dollars rather than being fired. And they can just work there basically doing nothing, maybe filing papers for years on end, funded by your tax dollars and not receiving any repercussions for doing such a terrible job. And in some cases, a criminal job as teachers. Look it up for yourself. 
Look up rubber rooms. Uh, New York Post has a few articles about this. And look at the kind of people that are making hundreds of thousands of dollars over the course of several years um, by your tax dollars after failing at their job as teachers. And so teachers unions, I've said many times, are so corrupt. Public unions in general are immoral and unethical because our tax dollars should not um Our our tax dollars should not be funding these unions that are then turning around and funding the campaigns of people that we do not want in office. Like, think about this. You've got a public police union and you say you're a Democrat and you know that this public police union is then turning around and they are donating to the campaign of, for example, Ron DeSantis. Doesn't that make you angry that your tax dollars are helping Ron DeSantis win? Well, I don't like that my tax dollars are going to the teachers unions and are then trying to fund the campaign of Nancy Pelosi or whoever it is. So it's unethical. It's immoral. The whole idea of public sector unions, but teachers unions are probably the most corrupt. I mean, they kept kids out of school. We saw teacher after teacher that are a part of these teachers unions say, oh, no, I just want to protect myself. I don't want to die. So I can't go to school. I'm scared that I'm going to catch COVID, even though I'm like healthy and 27 years old. And then you would see that a couple of weeks later, they're on the beach in Bora Bora without a mask. I'm not saying that characterizes even close to all teachers, but unfortunately, we saw the hypocrisy in the corruption big time, big time from these teachers unions. And that's because they are, it's not because, but partly because they are liberal and they're in bed with democratic politicians and they push liberal ideology, which is always going to be bad for students. So the agreement says if accessing laying off a teacher who is a member of a population underrepresented among licensed teachers on the site, the district shall access the next least senior teacher who is not a member of an underrepresented population. I mean, talk about just wordy hogwash. I have no idea how they're even defining underrepresented. Are they just looking at the raw numbers? Are they looking at the proportion? Are they looking at the number relation in relation to like how many people in that community are part of that race. I don't even know, but I think that we can translate this. Actually, I know that we can translate this. We know what this means, that this means that white teachers need to be laid off first. Black and brown teachers need to get priority in keeping their jobs. Um, the district shall prioritize the recall of a teacher who is a member of a population underrepresented among licensed teachers in the district. According to the agreement, the purpose is to solve for, quote unquote, past discrimination by the district, which the agreement said disproportionately impacted the hiring of underrepresented teachers in the district as compared to the relevant labor market in the community and resulted in a lack of diversity of teachers. Of course, what they mean by diversity is just melanin count. So they're just talking about the superficial form of diversity. They're not talking about diversity of philosophy or religious beliefs or age or ability. They are simply talking about the most superficial form of diversity, which is a diversity of melanin count. They're not even talking about a diversity of nationality. They're not interested in like having a teacher from France and having a teacher from Iceland. They are only interested in how a person looks. And this is the Ibram X. Kendi anti-racism so-called method of justice and equity in order to make up for supposed and alleged past discrimination. They never have to actually give specific examples that relate to uh, their particular community and situation. They have to commit current discrimination. That is literally what Ibram X. Kendi says in his book, How to Be an Anti-Racist. In order to remedy past discrimination, you have to uh, you have to perpetrate uh, you have to perpetrate discrimination today based on skin color. But look, that doesn't actually make up for anything. Okay, that doesn't actually help. It might satisfy your resentment. It might make you feel better in your bitterness, but it doesn't actually help anything. All it does is cause more resentment because look, the teachers who are there today who are white had nothing to do with the supposed or alleged discrimination of the past. So you're actually punishing someone who did nothing wrong. You are punishing someone because of the color of their skin. That's not justice. That is partiality. 
So they really believe either that two wrongs will make a right or simply because there was apparently maybe at one point a past wrong that they have to commit a wrong today. Again, that is not motivated by justice. It's not motivated by true equity. It's not motivated by a true, sincere desire for equality. It's motivated by resentment. It's motivated by bitterness. That's why I just have no tolerance for Christians who say that they're on board with Ibram X. Kendi and his philosophy uh, for how we achieve liberation or freedom or equality, because it's motivated by the things that Christians are called to resist. Bitterness and malice and resentment and anger, especially when it comes to someone's skin color. No, it is not godly. It is not biblical to punish someone today for the sins of someone who may have looked like them kind of several years ago. Like the conversation about like racial reparations or slave reparations. People say on the other side, say, well, there's biblical precedent or historical precedent for paying reparations for the sins of your ancestors. And then, of course, people on my side will say, well, no, you shouldn't pay for the sins of your ancestors. And even though the consequences of sin might visit a person's kids and grandkids, they are not responsible for directly paying for their sins of their fathers and grandfathers. That has a biblical basis. But it's even beyond that, what people who are saying that white people should like pay reparations to the government that's then, you know, paying black people for like the oppression of their ancestors. It's even beyond that. We're not being called to pay for the sins of our ancestors. White people aren't being called to pay for their sins of their ancestors when it comes to reparations or when it comes to enduring current discrimination to right past discrimination. We are being called to pay for the sins of people who kind of shared our same melanin count hundreds of years ago. Like the assumption in the kind of logic that we have to pay for the sins of our ancestors is that all of our ancestors own slaves. Well, no, most of our ancestors didn't own slaves. It was a very small percentage of Americans, black, white, and Native American, by the way, all of these races own slaves. So that complicates the reparations mathematics as well. But it's a very small percentage of Americans that ever own slaves. So what you're saying is not just that white people should pay for the sins of their ancestors, but also, but really that white people should pay for the sins of people who kind of remotely looked like them a long time ago. And that black people should receive reparations because people that looked like them a long time ago endured oppression. So it doesn't really have any kind of direct correlation, again, to any reality or logic. But once you realize that secular progressivism is a kind of religion and it is kind of based in maxims and dogma rather than truth, then you understand that the contradictions are kind of just baked in. And so it's just interesting how we are seeing very explicit explicit examples of racism against white teachers, explicit examples of racism against white teachers. And yet people have the audacity to say, well, only white people can be racist because only white people have power. How are you defining power? Do these teachers who are saying that they're going to be fired first because of their skin color, what power do they have? Once again, like the definitions for the social justice movement are not based in reality. They're not based in anything reasonable. They're not based in any logic. How does someone who is being fired because of their skin color, their white skin color, have power in that situation? Of course, it is possible for you to be racist, for you to be a bigot if you are black or brown or whatever. Of course. And as a Christian, like, how could any Christian possibly take on this ridiculous, ludicrous definition of racism as something that only one kind of person can perpetrate? You think that's going to let you off the hook when we stand before the judge? You think that you're going to get away with the bigotry and the hate and the anger and the malice and the bitterness that you have against people because of their white skin color? Because, hey, uh, racism, I define racism as prejudice plus power. And because I don't have power, it's not possible for me to be racist. Like, first of all, I don't think God is going to say, hey, were you racist? Of course, he's going to say, did you have hate? in your heart, or, you know, I'm not speaking literally here, but that is how the heart is judged by hate for any motivation, um, for any reason. And so you're not going to be let off the hook because you have 
um, decided to follow the standards of the world when it comes to who can be prejudiced and who can't be prejudiced based on their melanin count. Thankfully, we actually follow an equitable God, a sincerely, truly equitable God. We actually follow an impartial judge who hates partiality, who hates any judgment that defers to the poor or to the great, to the black or to the white, to the man or to the woman. He is completely impartial in his judgment. We also know that everyone is equally dead in sin apart from Christ. Everyone is equally alive in Christ because of grace, if by grace through faith they have believed in him for the salvation of their sins. And so the gospel also brings this crazy, uh, radical, and in some ways, impartiality and equality before God, dead in sin or alive in Christ. So this kind of um, prejudiced, partial, hate and malice motivated social justice that we see is not in alignment with biblical justice. It is anti-biblical. It is anti-justice. It is anti-gospel. And therefore, it is always going to breed chaos. It is always going to breed hate. It's always going to breed more division. It's going to breed unfairness, as we are seeing from these teachers. Now, I hope all of the, uh, all of the wonderful teachers, if they are wonderful teachers who are fired because of their skin color, I hope that they move on to somewhere else and they give their gift of teaching to um, to other people. This is wrong. This is unjust. We see more. Here's here's the truth. Heyo. We see more explicit examples of anti-white racism in institutions today than we see towards any other race. That's the truth. All right. Let's move on to more talk about uh, about equity from our honored vice president kamala harris but first let me pause and tell you about our next sponsor for the day and that is good ranchers so they've got a really great deal going on if you go ahead and subscribe to good ranchers which is american meat delivered right to your front door then you can lock in that price so whatever you pay this month when you buy the subscription that's what you'll pay they're not going to raise the prices on you that's a really big deal when it comes to inflation if you're still getting your meat from the grocery store then you're looking at the prices being raised more and more you're going to be paying more every month for your meat so why don't you just save money you don't have to worry about raising prices by getting all of your meat from good ranchers plus it just takes the stress out of grocery shopping and trying to find the right kind of meat and wondering where it's from all meat from good ranchers is from american farms and ranches they also have a great deal going on in the month of august they are trying to deliver a hundred thousand meals to vulnerable kids that don't have access to nutritious food and so your purchase helps them do that so go to goodranchers.com slash Use my code Allie today. Get your box for $30 off plus free shipping. Go to goodranchers.com slash Allie for $30 off plus free shipping. That's goodranchers.com slash Allie. So before we get into the Kamala Harris video, I did just want to bring up a book that I've been meaning to talk about called The Last White Man. It's a novel by Mohsin Hamid. Of course, it is being praised and it is a fantasy of a future without white people. So here's how NPR uh, describes it. So Hamid's main character, a white guy with the Nordic name of Anders, who one morning woke up to find he had turned a deep and undeniable brown. Inexorably, that mysterious darkening begins spreading to white people all around this unnamed country. And of course, Hamid thinks that this is a wonderful thing. All journalists apparently think this is a wonderful thing. And there is this fantasy. If there was no Western civilization, if there were no white people, then everyone would finally get along. There would be less war. There would be less violence. There wouldn't be slavery. There wouldn't be inequality. There wouldn't be the oppression that we've had in the world, of course. And it is, of course, that is a fantasy. I mean, look around the world at different countries that have no white people that have there are countries that have zero white people that are largely unaffected by the west uh by white people at all and you will see that they are not without their serious problems they are not without their violence they are not without their oppression how's afghanistan doing now i will say that some of that does have to do absolutely with western 
with Western policy, but they didn't cause, uh, of course, the Taliban to have the ideology that they do in oppressing women and children. There are plenty of countries around the world that don't have any white people whatsoever that have enslaved, that have oppressed, that don't even have any kind of concept whatsoever of human rights. You know, Western civilization, regardless of the race of the people there, you know, Western civilization is unique in its view of innate human rights. Like, you know, that's why we have any conversations at all about how the government should be treating people. This idea of equality or equal justice is rooted in this unique concept of Christianity on which Western civilization was founded. Like, you understand that that is also what has guided things like the abolition of slavery. Slavery is still practiced by many countries throughout the world today. And most of them have never even seen a white person and are not guided by anything to do with white people or Western civilization. And so this apparently is acceptable to write a book about white people going extinct and to be excited about that fact. Now, again, I ask you to consider if someone today wrote a book about any other race, would it be accepted? Would it be celebrated? Would NPR be writing about it? Most people aren't even going to bat an eye as I'm talking about this because they're used to this kind of thing. And yet we are still being convinced on a daily basis that the real hate is towards everyone else. That's interesting. I mean, I don't, you know, I I don't feel like playing a victim. I don't feel like a victim. Like, I don't really care about this. I think it's wrong. I think it's obviously leading to institutional discrimination against people because of their melanin count. And I think that that's wrong, no matter what your skin color is. But I don't feel like a victim because of this. I'm not interested in playing that in playing that role or fulfilling that role. It is what it is. So let's let's just be reasonable about this. Let's see things as they are. Let's not be propagandized into believing that oppression can only come in one form from one type of people to another group of people. That's unreasonable, right? That's illogical. That's not using your brain. Let's use the brains that God has given us to be able to determine what is actually just and right and what is not. All right. Kamala Harris has some brilliant words on equity. She was speaking at an event called the Oakland Generation Fund event on August 12th, and it was to announce a $50 million initiative to funnel money to existing programs that financially support children and students pursuing higher education in Harris's hometown of um, Oakland. The program gives $1,000 to every low-income public school student who plans to attend post-secondary education. Um, So she believes that this is important for the sake of equity, which of course, as we've already said, means equal outcomes between black students, white students, Asian students. I'm not saying that this is a bad program. I don't really know. But is it going to achieve equal outcomes? I can guarantee that it won't. But that's kind of beside the point. I just want us to stand in awe of Uh, Kamala Harris's rhetorical abilities here. Here she is. So equity as a concept says, recognize that everyone has the same capacity, but in order for them to have equal opportunity to reach that capacity, what we must pay attention to this issue of equity if we are to expect and allow people to compete on equal footing. What? What? Do you notice how she always repeats herself, how she just says, like, equity is equity. We have to pay attention to equity if we want equity. Of course, not defining her terms at all. I think that we can probably judge what she means by equity. Again, they don't actually mean fairness. They don't actually mean equality. They don't even mean an even playing field. And that is something that I agree with. I want an even playing field, although... Again, the government trying to manufacture an even playing field, almost impossible. To have an even playing field, you have to make sure that everyone has the same family makeup, everyone has 
um, makes the same amount of money. Everyone has the same personality. Everyone has the same uh, like uh, abilities in their brain and body. So that in itself is impossible. It's impossible to create an even playing field there. So think about how much more impossible it is to guarantee equal outcomes. If you have two different people from the same, two different kids from the same family, twins from the same family, and you gave them everything, they probably will have unequal outcomes in some areas of their life. One of them is going to make more money doing something else. One of them is going to get better grades in a certain class than the other one. You can't guarantee equal outcomes. And that, of course, is what the Democratic Party, the social justice movement, thinks they can do by giving more power to the government and by funneling more money to people. I'm not saying the government is always bad. I'm not saying the government shouldn't have any policy. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have like well-funded programs in some cases, but just understand what they mean by equity. It typically means prioritizing certain people um, at the expense of others. A good example of that is like college acceptance of black and Hispanic students at the expense of accepting white and Asian students who may even be more qualified and meet the standards even better than the students that they are picking for the sake of equity. It really doesn't help anyone. It does not help anyone. Um, All right. There's a ton There are so many other things I wanted to talk about today. I'll just list some of the things I want to talk about so I can remember to maybe talk about them on Monday. Won't talk about them tomorrow because I've got an awesome interview. But as more information comes out, we will be talking about the DOJ that's apparently investigating the Southern Baptist Convention. I'm sure that this has nothing to do with the fact that the Southern Baptist Convention is extremely um, conservative and that they typically vote for Donald Trump and oppose the regime when it comes to gender ideology and all of that. I'm sure it's just totally equal justice there. I also wanted to mention this guy who I think identifies as a girl who rushed in Alabama sororities and he ended up getting cut from all of the sororities. Very strange, interesting situation that I wanted to talk about, but don't have time today. Um, and there are a few other things there. Oh, I did want to talk about too. Again, I think I'll probably, oh, let's see. Um, no, I'm going to talk about this right now really quickly because it's happening tomorrow. So there is a church in Fresno. It's called Well Church, and they are having a conference. I believe it's this weekend talking about biblical sexuality and gender, preaching from the Bible, what Christians have believed for thousands of years about sex and marriage and gender. I think it's uh, Denny Burke, who is actually um, speaking there and Becca from The Bachelor. She decided that she was going to make this ridiculous video about this, saying that this is hateful, homophobic, transphobic, all this stuff, and that, hey, the Bible doesn't condemn all of that. Um, I did a response to that on Instagram, so you can go check that out. But that generated um, a lot of ire and a lot of angst from LGBTQ groups in Fresno, California, that are now going out to protest well, church. And so you see like the imperialistic totalitarian nature of progressivism that they say that they're, oh, live and let live. We're so tolerant. But actually, they can't even stand a church in the privacy of their own walls preaching something that does not agree with secular progressivism. Like they are calling Christians fascists. They say that Christians are Christian nationalists simply for allowing the Bible to inform our views of politics and culture. But they are the ones literally showing up at at, at churches. This organization, U.S. Park Valley, is apparently going to their church tomorrow to protest them because of what they're preaching at their own church. They actually can't, leftists cannot stand that there are people in the world that think differently than them and speak differently than them. Isn't, I mean, are they also protesting the Muslim churches that think the same thing? Are they protesting some of the conservative synagogues that think the same thing? No, it's just Christians because Christians tend to vote Republican. And because once again, white evangelicals are a part in their convoluted thinking of the oppressor class. And because of that, because of that convoluted thinking, they are willing to try to push back on them, protest them, stop them from preaching the word of God. I am praying for the Well Church, as well as every church, by the way, that stands strong on the Word of God, especially when it comes to sexuality and gender. Um, You should pray for the Well Church, too. 
they're going to be receiving a continued just like deluge of hate and and protesting. And so um, just pray. I know they will stand fast and hold strong. I've already talked to some of the people who are involved in the church. And so um, I hope that this, though, just like emboldens them more and empowers them more and that the Holy Spirit fills them up and that even some of the people protesting them will hear the gospel and that their hearts would change. That is how I pray for these enemies who really are. I mean, these people who are protesting the church, they are my enemies. And I pray that God would change their heart using the power of the gospel. I pray for every church, every pastor, every preacher, that you would continue to stand strong on the word of God. Christians have received a lot more pushback, a lot more hate, a lot greater threats than the ones that we are receiving today and have stood firm. You can do it too. It's the same Holy Spirit that empowered martyrs to stand for their faith even in the face of death. You can do it too. All right, I'm going to play just a little fun video to close out our um to close out our episode today, but let me tell you about our last sponsor and that is Healthy Cell. So, love Healthy Cell. They're a they're a wonderful company that makes an amazing product, an amazing multivitamin that comes in a micro gel form. Here's why I love it. So I've been taking your standard tablets and capsules for a really long time when it comes to uh, my multivitamins. Of course, when you're pregnant, when you're trying to get pregnant, you want to make sure that you've got a really good multivitamin that has all the folic acid, all the nutrients that you and your baby need. But the multivitamin that I was taking, it was really hard to get down. Like it was really hard to ingest. And I always wondered why that was. Well, until I found out from the people who started Healthy Cell that a lot of those tablets and capsules are filled with all these different kinds of like artificial binders and glues and fillers that can make it really difficult for your body to digest. And your body's just not absorbing all the nutrients that it needs when you have those artificial and sometimes harmful ingredients in them. That's why the microgel technology that Healthy Cell uses in their multivitamins are so great. You'll get 165% more absorption. So you're actually getting all the nutrients that you're reading on the back of the bottle. Isn't that awesome? Go to HealthyCell.com slash Allie. That's HealthyCell.com and use code Allie for 20% off your first order. That's HealthyCell.com slash Allie for 20% off your first order. HealthyCell.com slash Allie. Okay, so this is just like a feel-good video um, of someone caring for someone that is uh, smaller than them, weaker than them, thinking of their needs first. It is, I think it's a, a siblings. I think it's an older brother and a little sister. If you're listening to this, he is like running through the rain, holding his little sister and has her covered in uh, has her covered in his rain jacket. And I just thought it was so sweet. So we can play that now. That's so cute. So he had his little sister actually like under his t-shirt. So he had like put his t-shirt over his little sister running through the rain to get in the car uh, with his parents to make sure she was protected from the rain. That's so sweet. We should all be raising our children, but especially our boys to take care of those who are smaller than them, those uh, who need help. Man, the world would be a much better place if that um, is what we were all doing as people and also as parents. All right, that's all we got for today. Tomorrow, I've got an awesome interview for you. We are going to be talking to Monica Klein. She used to work for Planned Parenthood as a quote-unquote family planning educator and pro-abortion, pro all kinds of sexual promiscuity and um, all kinds of gender ideology and was teaching this stuff to kids in schools. And then God saved her, redeemed her, and has been using her expertise and her story for good. Now she educates families on the importance of discipling your kids and what God says is good when it comes to biblical sexuality. But she's going to talk to us about what really goes on at Planned Parenthood, what their philosophy is, why they kind of push this so-called comprehensive sex education on kids. I mean, it's really shocking. It's important for us to know, but also such an amazing and encouraging testimony of redemption. I love that God is a God of redemption. So we're going to be reminded of that in a very poignant way tomorrow. All right. One reminder, one reminder, we are taking voicemails. 
mom moment voicemail. Sometimes we take voicemails and we'll play a couple of them at the end of an episode. So we'll probably do that in a couple weeks after we get a few from you guys. So mom moment, I just mean like funny, heartwarming, challenging, relatable moment. Maybe your kid said something that made you think or made you laugh or just a moment that we can all relate to or a piece of advice for us moms. Call 682-503-1369. Leave a concise voicemail. That's 682-503-1369. Six nine. Don't say anything that you don't want shared on air. That's just my piece of advice to you. All right. Have a great rest of your day. We will be back here tomorrow.